During Robert Brogdon's Olathe Buick GMC clearance event, save up to 20% on new models like the 2023 Buick Encore GX or GMC Sierra 1500. View their huge inventory at robertbrogdon.com and find your perfect match. The show that takes you home. The Homestretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City. 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Welcome to the Homestretch, ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, 1510.com, and Facebook Live, live in studio on a chilly Tuesday afternoon. Kyle behind the glass and will be joined by film analyst Daniel Harms around 3.15 in the second segment, but a lot to get into. First and foremost, Ravens use franchise tag on QB Lamar Jackson. And what's interesting about this is they use the non-exclusive tag on Lamar Jackson. The difference here is the exclusive franchise tag was projected at $45 million. That allows the Ravens to control his rights this season. But the non-exclusive tag paying him just around $32 million, obviously saving $13 million, but it allows him to talk with other teams. Now, Baltimore has the right to match the offer to keep him, or the Ravens can take two first-round picks as compensation. Now, what's interesting here, if there was ever a time to use the non-exclusive tag, this was it. A quarterback who's been oft injured, a quarterback who you've seen the highs win an MVP, but you've yet to see playoff success in, that was him on a rookie deal. That was him giving you the flexibility in the cap to have a good defense, to have a great offensive line, not great wide receivers, I will give you that, but there was a reason why you had great players on both sides of the ball. Lamar was on a rookie contract. Now Lamar getting paid? Wide receivers aren't going to get better. Is his health getting better? It's only likely to get worse. This makes sense. He signs with another team, and you get two first-round draft picks? And if he doesn't, you have him for 32 mil for one year? Have you seen what Daniel Jones just got? Have you seen what Geno <laughs> Smith just got? We'll get into those guys in a, in a minute. But the point is, the Ravens played this the right way. The Ravens were smart. They did their due diligence and they're in the driver's seat. Lamar Jackson is a great talent. No denying it. But how far can he take you? This team was built around him. The only other team I was thinking was, was potentially built for Lamar Jackson was the Atlanta Falcons. And according to ESPN's Dana Rossini, Falcons won't be pursuing him. No interest? Wow. That is a big fish gone. That's surprising to me. Take it with a grain of salt. That's what we're hearing on Tuesday, March 7th. The Falcons are not interested, according to ESPN. But that could change. Maybe the Falcons are are set on Desmond Ritter. I'd be shocked. I'm curious what their plan is now. Are they thinking C.J. Stroud? They've got the ninth pick. I know that. Uh I, I would be surprised. He seems like a good fit, and Atlanta likes their uh, superstars. Yeah. So the they don't mar- like Lamar. The market for Lamar Jackson is going to be an intriguing one. 
Under the franchise tag, Ravens and Lamar have until July 17th to work out a long-term deal. If an agreement is not reached by the NFL-mandated deadline, a new deal can't be signed until after the season. Little note, Baltimore has reached multi-year deals with five of the seven players who have previously received the tag by the team. I, I am intrigued by this. The Ravens are telling you they don't believe, or at least where it stands right now, they don't believe he is the elite, elite franchise quarterback that he wants to be paid like. Yeah, I agree with that move they just pulled, yeah. This is saying, we've seen your ceiling, you've won an MVP, and that has not translated to playoff success. We've also seen you get injured in multiple seasons. Not even able to play in the playoff game this year. Right, yeah. And they really could have used him. What this is saying, it might be rebuild time. And what better way to rebuild than getting two first-round draft picks. Now, these, this first-round draft pick thing is interesting. How much did Russell Wilson cost? That was three first-round picks and players accompanying him. Sure. I, and I, I would say Lamar, if you're going to say Lamar's better than Russell Wilson is at comparable points, sure. Yeah. I would agree with that. Now, if you're a team like Atlanta, I feel like Lamar would be better than any other option you have. Carolina. Uh... New York, the Jets. Mm. Somebody make a move and go get He's a franchise talent. It's just the risk, as you've mentioned, there have been injuries. So I, I, I do see the risk. I just feel like the compensation you have to give up for a player of Lamar's caliber, I, I feel like it's not that expensive. Certain teams make sense. Oh, for sure. The Falcons make sense to me because they're in the NFC. The South specifically in a horrendous division, in a, in a division where the Saints went in to get Derek Carr because they go, we can win probably winning eight or nine games. Right? Panthers are a good team with no quarterback. Falcons are a decent team with no quarterback. The Buccaneers are blowing this thing up. Um, we'll talk more with Daniel about you know Donovan Smith and the potential uh, that he would have at left tackle as they are planning to release him, but the, the Buccaneers are blowing that thing up. The Falcons got Lamar Jackson. You'd be looking at a, a team that could potentially compete, I, th- I would say would compete, for that division title. But if the Falcons are not interested, as those reports were, that means they don't think that their ceiling is enough with Lamar Jackson to make it to, 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 to behoove them to go out and get him for that amount of money. Yeah. Because they have some guys, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. Right. Cordell Patterson's still there. Tyler Algier's still there. They have some weapons. Yeah, now I'm curious to see what their plan is and what direction they want to go. If they said, according to ESPN, right, that they're not interested, I don't know. That, that would lead me to believe it's Desmond Ritter or a rookie. Now the, now the market for Lamar is going to be intriguing because I don't agree with the Jets. I don't think he's a good fit on that team, even though there's good weapons on that team and a great defense. That's not their style. Aaron Rodgers suits them better? Yeah. I, I, I think Rodgers in New York is going to be an interesting case if that's to, to happen. As we've, uh, we've learned, they're still in talks 
the Jets and Packers are in talks with Rodgers. Because what happens? What happens the second things go wrong with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers? They start 0-3. Yeah. You can pull the R-E-L-A-X in Green Bay. You know why? <laughs> You've built up credibility in Green Bay. You've won a Super Bowl in Green Bay. You're a multi-MVP in Green Bay. That's not what happened when you go in your first year in a new city, especially in New York. You tell New York and that media to relax? He'll be going on a darkness retreat in the middle of the season. <laughs> Rodgers in New York, just on the outside looking in, would be hilarious. Yeah, That alone would be funny. I'm rooting for it for that alone. But he would make that team a lot better on paper, on the field. They won seven games, seven or eight games last year. They won five with Zach Wilson. You win five games with Zach Wilson, you would have made the playoffs with Derek Carr. I see Ryan Donnelly on Facebook Live says Washington might be a player. I'd be intrigued. It sounded like they were going with slinging Sam Howell. Who knows? Lamar Jackson would be an Lamar's immediate from that improvement area as well, too. He is. So that's intriguing. Uh, I, I don't see Lamar going to Green Bay if Rodgers leaves. I don't see uh, Lamar Jackson being a hot commodity in Vegas. Although if you want to put butts in seats, Lamar Jackson to Vegas would put butts in seats, but they don't have that issue there. Carolina. It'd be an improvement over Sam Darnold. Yeah. But the issue with him is you have to have your offense tailored around him. He's an incredible talent. No denying it, but he's not a plug-and-play. Derek Carr's an easier plug-and-play, even though he's not nearly as talented as Lamar Jackson. There's no denying it. But Derek Carr, for example, might be a better fit on the Jet than Lamar just based on the style of play, on how those two teams operate. By the way, Derek Carr going to New Orleans. Your quick thoughts on that. He's signing a four-year deal worth up to 100, I think it's 150 million dollars. I think it makes him better. Yeah. They'll be able to contend better than with Andy Dalton and or Jameis Winston. They are currently as it sits sits right now on uh March 7th at 3:10 Central. They'd be my team to win that division. They're going to host a home game if that's the case. The NFC's not great, but I don't understand the Saints' real long-term goals here, their long-term aspirations. It's similar to the The Colts. It it feels Colts, what what they did. exactly what I was going to say. They're just jumping from mid-tier quarterback to mid-tier quarterback. Now, Carr's an upgrade, but he's he's a stability He's, that's what he gives you, stability. He's not going to give you somebody who can go out and win a game. This, to me, makes sense if it was a one-year, two-year deal. Right. But four years, you're tied to him. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's going to be an out after year three. Probably. But the point is, you're already in cap hell. Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, you have Taysom Hill who's getting paid like a back-end quarterback. Now you add in Derek Carr. What's going to happen with Michael Thomas? Derek Carr didn't have a great year with Devontae Adams. I'll I'll say Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller were injured, but he didn't have a great year this year. 
with lesser weapons outside of Chris Olave in New Orleans, he taking it, that team to the to the promised land. He's not going to carry him. No, you have to have weapons around Derek Carr. Right. If your only weapons are Chris Olave and Alvin Kamara, and Kamara who is reaching near near to thirty years old, they used him a lot less last year. I, I, I'm intrigued by this movie again for one year. Sure, I, I understand. The Saints are better now than they were last year, at least at quarterback, right? Yeah. No denying it. But let's look in the future. This feels like a move that might handy uh, handicap the Saints going forward. Yeah, and I think what it boils down to is they think they can win now. If you want a NBA comparison, it's reminiscent in my mind of the Philadelphia 76ers when Andre Iguodala was a superstar. You kept finishing 6th, 7th, 8th. You kept making the playoffs, but you're barely sneaking in. And you're doing nothing once you get into the playoffs. Yeah. They decided to blow it up. You can make the argument, what have they done since then? It's not like they've had a lot of things go their way, but the thought process made sense. Yeah. You didn't know that Ben Simmons was going to be a head case. You didn't know that Markel Fultz was going to do nothing and you are going to have to trade him. And then Embiid was perpetually injured early on in his career. You didn't know that. But the thought process makes sense. Yeah. The thought process is if we're consistently just barely sneaking into the playoffs and have no actual success to win a Super Bowl, no, no real chance, what's the point? Start from scratch. Rip the Band-Aid off, right? Yeah. At some point, just rip it off and start over. The Saints aren't doing that. We saw what happened with the Colts. Sure, you made the playoffs with Phillip Rivers, but what, what was your real goal there? Same for Derek Carr. Yeah, they'll make the playoffs probably. They'll probably win that division. But what is the long-term goal? I just don't see it. Let's take a quick break. Come back. We'll be joined by film analyst Daniel Harms talking all this and more. Homestretch, ESPN, Kansas City. Welcome back to the home stretch, ESPN Kansas City. Joined now by film analyst for RGR Football, Daniel Harms. Daniel, how are you? Oh, I'm having a great Tuesday. It's been lots of fun with the last 24 hours. Have been really, really informative and full of news and it feels like the NFL's here even though it's not so I'm doing well uh we're gonna get into all of that but just so folks listening know uh, Harms and myself went bowling on Saturday and let me tell you dude can throw the rock okay he was bowling <laughs> out of his mind he bowl put up a 255 then often you get your ass kicked when you bowl a 184 I'm sitting here going all right I'm doing all right here. No, no, I'm not doing all right. And guess what it cost me, Daniel? My elbow is completely torched, okay? It hurts so I tried so bad. to tell you. You have <laughs> bowler's five elbow? Games is a... yeah, five games is a lot. I got bowler's elbow, apparently. Yeah, as Kyle says behind the glass. Yeah, okay, it hurts. Right. I golfed the next day, played well, humble brag. But at what there cost? At what cost? I already need Tommy John surgery. And now I this did not help. My elbow is is torched, Daniel. I blame you. I tell you what. You know, I tell you what, five games after for yourself, not bowling since what you said high school ish time. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot to do. And you know, I haven't bowled consistent like that in, in about a year. 
the first time I went bowling after my year off, I bowled a 300. And then I come back with you and I averaged 208. So it was pretty good. Uh, my fingers are a little sore at the tendons, you know, because I, I hooked the ball so much. It just, they're, they're doing better today. But, you know, I had fun, man. And, you know, you're way better than a lot of the people that I usually go out like and have, you know, bowling outings with so i had a good time you're pretty good thank you i'll i'll, I'll take you were pretty good that to me <laughs> screams all right i i'm a uh, i'm an all-star all right let's get into lamar jackson first we talked about in the first segment why don't we get your thoughts here the ravens placing the non-exclusive franchise tag on lamar jackson again meaning he can talk to other teams they have the chance to match if not receiving two first round draft picks as compensation what's your thought here with lamar jackson uh, Lamar Jackson is the most electric quarterback in the NFL. The problem I think that the Ravens have run into is the last couple of seasons he's dealt with injury. And this last season, he looks it looks like he tried to play through it because obviously players, especially top quarterbacks, oftentimes will get um, crap for not playing through injuries. <laughs> and especially when you are viewed by many as a running quarterback. Like you, you're supposed to be on the field, play through injuries. It doesn't really matter. You know, Pastor Mahomes just won a Super Bowl with a high ankle sprain. Like, people just kind of assume these guys should always play through injury, and it felt like Lamar tried to do that, and he made it worse. And that's going to happen. Um, so it feels like, to me, the Ravens, they, they're caught between their own rock and hard place. They don't really know what to do with him. So they said, all right, we know that we do want to have him in Baltimore. We just don't know how to go forward structurally contract-wise. So maybe another team will come in and give us the blueprint for a contract that he wants, that he's comfortable with, and then we can match that offer and we don't have to do the dirty work ourselves. That's kind of what it feels like, but I can't, I can't really say that they're fully committing themselves. Like they want Lamar 100% because they might – say, well, we have a new offensive coordinator now. Um, we've had some injuries with Lamar in the past. Maybe we just want a fresh start, and we can do that with a couple extra first-round picks. I don't know. They've given themselves multiple different avenues here, um, and especially with everything that we've kind of heard about the Ravens inside the organization lately, I'm, I'm very wavered in terms of how I used to view the Baltimore Ravens as one of the you know top – structurally sound organizations in the NFL the last couple of seasons, this past offseason, we've already heard a ton of stuff coming out. So it's a interesting dynamic, but I do think they are just kind of giving themselves a way to go about getting a new contract without doing all the work themselves. I think the Ravens did a phenomenal job. I think the Ravens handled this very well. Here's why. If you don't think he's the guy, if you don't want to pay him that much money in a team uh, offers more money than you ever thought you were going to pay him, you get two first-round draft picks. That restarts your rebuild right then and there. You can just blow it up and say, yeah, yes, it does. That gives you the option right then and there. You know what you are with Lamar Jackson. That was with him on a rookie contract. Now you have to pay Lamar. You thought you had bad wide receivers before? Good luck paying guys now when you're paying Lamar 45-plus. Do you think that Lamar Jackson's worth only two first-round picks? No, he's probably worth more. We saw what Russell Wilson got. Yeah, that's kind, of, that's kind of why it feels like, all right, well, if your idea is putting a non-exclusive franchise tag on him and then kicking it down the road for two first-round picks, that's not enough. I'm but, sorry. But, if, but I'm, Daniel, if I'm the Ravens, I need to get more. But, Daniel, we saw Atlanta, at least today, according to ESPN, uh, that the, Ra- or the Falcons were not interested. 
that they were not going to go the route. And I don't know how many other teams are giving up major draft capital draft capital for Lamar Jackson. How many teams are now in the running? You have to have an offense that fits his style. Is he electric? Yes. Is he extremely talented? Yes. But this is a guy who's been injured multiple times now. This is a guy who couldn't play in the playoffs last year. This is a guy who's not really improved a ton as a passer, right? He's good, but he's not elite. Uh, if this is me, I don't know how many teams are even in the running for Lamar Jackson now because the Falcons made the most sense, and if they're out, who else is left? I don't know that they're out. They were in on Deshaun Watson after not playing for two years last season. Something tells me that they're out to the public, but if they're really out and they're committed to a full-scale rebuild but they were absolutely all in on Deshaun Watson last year, that's fishy to me. Uh, I don't know. That seems a little fishy. Yeah, that's fine. I, I'm just saying, if so, but take the Falcons out for one second. What other team does he make sense in? I, I, honestly, with a, for a guy like him, you figure it out later. For, for two first-round draft picks, you figure it out later. You do it, and you get it done, and then you figure it out afterward. Because that's what kind of a elevating, special, talented player he is. I understand it comes with some injury risk, but this is the NFL. Everybody comes with injury risk. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. So I'm, I'm just – personally, I'm doing it if I need a quarterback. Right now I'm doing it tomorrow. I'm trying to figure out a way to get Lamar Jackson into whatever team I have. Mm. Uh, Giants make a deal with Daniel Jones right up until the wire. They use the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley. So Barkley will make just over $10 million under uh, in 2023. Uh, the numbers for Daniel Jones, the official numbers have not come completely out but looking like four-year, $160 million with an additional $35 million in incentives, according to Albert Breer. What do you make of Daniel Jones now being the franchise QB for the Giants and that amount of money? Again, we don't have the full contract, but the overarching contract. What do you make of this? Yeah, this is uh, one that well, if we get the language of the contract and there aren't outs for the, the Giants after a year or two, I'll be a little flummoxed at this idea because I am one of the guy, people that likes Daniel Jones. I think he's a good, you know, a good quarterback. How much more upside do you think you can get out of him? I think, you know, they squeezed a lot out of the offense they had last year. Obviously, they intend to surround him with better weapons. Isaiah Hodgins was a nice surprise last year. Richie James played well, but Daniel Bellinger, Isaiah Hodgins, and Richie James, and then Darius Slayton being your wide receiver core and your weapons core isn't exactly what you envision for a franchise quarterback. So I would imagine they're going to do better in that regard. But I don't know if you can win a Super Bowl with Daniel Jones. I would say no, based on what I've seen. You know, the pocket awareness isn't there. He has one season now where he's cut off the turnovers. Is is that contract year? Is that, you know, know, Brian Dable. Therese Taylor. I'm saying Brian Dable. I understand. But that's the thing. Like the great late Therese Taylor always said, the contract year is undefeated. That was what he was playing under. Uh, essentially, he was like, I want to play for Brian Dable. And he's going to make his life easier for sure. I'm just not entirely sure that this is a – we're sticking with Daniel Jones for four years. I think this is another one of those. We are going to give him a year, maybe a little bit more, um, another year under Dable's system. It will be great for him. And we'll see where he's at, and we'll give ourselves some outs. But, again, I like Daniel Jones. I think he can be a good 
not just playoff winning quarterback. He can, I think he can win two games in the postseason. Like he won one against the Vikings. I think he could take a step under this system with better weapons and a little bit better of an offensive line performance, and they can go another way. I like what the Giants are doing. Again, we'll see what the language says, but I, I'm a, a Daniel Jones believer. I'm just not sure he's going to be somebody in the same vein as winning a, a NFC championship game. We'll see. Um, I'm hopeful because, yeah. again, I like him, but I'm not, 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 not quite there yet. Yeah, the Giants are a good team, but Daniel Jones, I don't think, is a guy who takes you to the next level. Uh, he's an intriguing player, but that amount of money mm-hmm. is just asinine. Um, I, I can't get over that. <laughs> I, I can't get over it. He's, he's not even – is he top 15? Is he a top 15 quarterback in the NFL? He might be, right? He might be. I, I think last year he was. I would say he played that way last year. But going forward, I don't know. And that's just where I'm at with these contracts for quarterbacks. They're getting, I don't want to say out of control, right? They, they've earned this money, and this is what you have to do to pay for a average quarterback or better. I mean, look at Derek Carr. Look at Geno Smith. Uh, look at Daniel Jones. And as we sit here in Kansas City, you realize the best deal ever made was a deal for Patrick Mahomes. It's incredible. You look around the NFL, just look. Yeah. And you sit and go, he's making only, or Mahomes is only making like X amount more than Daniel Jones or only X amount more than Geno Smith on an AAV deal. It's just, it's just crazy to me. Yeah, that's how this kind of works, though, right? Every time you see, I mean, it's going to be more evident with quarterbacks because teams are always looking for that guy and there's what maybe three four at right now in the nfl that you say it comfortable comfortable saying i think they can win a super bowl with and then it's always trying to catch up it's always trying to say okay well he plays well he deserves to get paid doesn't deserve to get the highest market but when the highest market's 40 plus million dollars approaching 50 i mean still 35 a year whatever that's going to end up being i I don't know man it's just kind of how the NFL is now, especially with the ratings and the way that quarterback dominates everything, it'll always be that way. Mahomes will get another extension at some point in the mm-hmm. coming years to reset the market, just kind of how it works. So sure. as much as it's probably looking you know, from a Chiefs fan's perspective, you see, well, why would they pay Daniel Jones? I mean, what are their options? <laughs> they don't have a pick. To, they don't have a pick to get a top quarter back in this draft. And seeing as how their team is on the up, you think they're going to be able to do it next year? I don't think so either. So, they're again, that QB purgatory issue that teams are going to find themselves in. The Minnesota Vikings are in that right now. Kirk Cousins is good enough to win, to win a Super Bowl, but he bet on himself twice and then got guaranteed contract money. So this is what it is. It's trying to give yourself a way to maybe squeeze as much out of these talented quarterbacks as you can and then when they don't have enough anymore, you got to discard and start all over again. So it's, it's tough. I feel for the Giants, and I'm hopeful that uh, Daniel Jones can at least pay off some of that contract. Yeah, it's just tough because once you get off your rookie deal, you're now paying money to Daniel Jones to elevate your team, and no longer can yeah. you pay other guys on your roster to elevate him. That's what makes it so difficult. Uh, Geno Smith signs that three-year deal with Seattle. Uh, looking at some of the numbers, $105 million max value, $30 million in incentives, base value $75 million over three years, and $40 million fully guaranteed. Uh, I saw somewhere it was $52 million in the first year. I'm no longer seeing that anymore. That may have been um, uh, falsely reported. 
But I know a lot of it was supposedly front-loaded for Geno Smith. What do you make of this deal for him in Seattle? I'm so happy for Geno Smith. This might have been my favorite storyline outside of the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl last year. What Geno was able to do fighting through everything that he has in his career to become a starter for the Seahawks, again, where people thought that there was a real quarterback competition between him and Drew Locke last offseason. Like, that was a real talking point. He comes in. In the first half of the season, he really did it. He lit it up. We'll just be honest. He was he was excellent, and he kind of – I think he really wore out himself a little bit. It's, it's a whole long season. He's never played that much before in terms of at a high level. I just kind of caught up to him a little bit. But I'm extremely happy for Geno to be able to get that payday. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the Seahawks are out of taking a quarterback inside the top – what is it, top six, I think? They were top – Somewhere like that, they have a top six pick from the from something. I don't remember who it's from, uh, but oh, it's from the the Broncos. That's who it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's who they have a uh, pick from. So that's thank funny. you, Russell Wilson. I, I think this is, is that right. Well, I think we're going to see the the Seahawks with another contract that is also a we have out after this year, and I I think they're going to be taking a hard look at a quarterback. Yeah, we'll see if they end up doing it, but I'm. I'm happy for Gino. Yeah, great for Gino Smith. And if it is so front-loaded as it was initially reported, then it makes sense to have an out as it goes on. Uh, very happy, though, for Gino Smith. That's got to be just an incredible story for him. And I was one of the people that mm-hmm. said, Drew Locke makes more sense. That was me. Uh, maybe I'm the Mizzou guy who just uh, was a little blind, but I thought the upside of Drew Locke made some sense, uh, at least being able to play with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. But the Jets have now had conversations with the Packers for QB, Aaron, Rodgers. Um, Sounded like early on, Carr and the Jets had a good connection, and the Jets kept messing around, kept messing around. Next thing you know, Carr's in New Orleans. What do you make of the Jets and Aaron Rodgers? Is this this the the best landing spot for Rodgers? I I think it's probably the best landing spot for him. There's a young group around him weapons wise you know they drafted Brees Hall last year they and Garrett Wilson they have Elijah Moore their offensive line had some injuries last year but when they're at full health they're actually an upcoming young offensive line so there's a lot of tools there for him to work with and obviously he had to get permission the Jets had to get permission from the Packers to talk to him so that has been given so we know that Aaron seems interested the Packers are like, yes, take him off our hands. We don't want this guy anymore, apparently. Um, so it, I think it makes the most sense. My my fantasy teams would be pretty happy if Aaron Rodgers lands in New York. I got lots of Elijah Moore. So um, I'll be happy about that. And at the end of the day, I think that the Jets, if they do end up getting Aaron Rodgers, that they're going to – this AFC is going to be unlike anything we may have seen in NFL history with the quarterback powers that are in the AFC, uh, it's truly ridiculous what what we will see if Aaron Rodgers goes from the NFC to the AFC. But, you know, landing spot, I think it's good for him, especially because their defense is going to look the same. And, again, young players on offense, a, a team last year that if they had good, I would say average quarterback play, they probably make the playoffs. Uh, they were that good for stretches of the season on defense to be able to get them there. So uh, I think the Jets will be a, a very intriguing team 
to say the least, if Aaron Rodgers lands there. Yeah, I'm just intrigued by him and the national media. We talked about the first segment, so I don't want to dive too deep into it. But if they go 0-3 to start the year, yeah. there's no R-E-L-A-X up there. That's not going to fly. <laughs> you, you, you don't have any of the, the goodwill you built up in, in Green Bay, That's right? You, you don't have those MVPs. You don't have that Super Bowl. And the, and with yeah. the Jets, you have none of that. You're a new guy, and you're expected to take him to the next level. You won five games with Zach Wilson last year, but I am with you. He would make, on paper, the Jets a very dangerous team. I want to get into the more Chiefs side of things right now while I have mm-hmm. you, Daniel. And if we have time, we'll go back to Derek Carr and some of the other uh, players around the NFL. Uh, again, Daniel Harms, RGR Football, joining us right here, homestretch ESPN Kansas City. With Orlando Brown Jr. not getting franchise tag, this seemed very surprising. In your estimation, why didn't they franchise tag him? And two, what is the plan for the Chiefs at left tackle? Uh, the second one's going to be a much harder to answer, but good thing we get a week to find out, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, it definitely surprised. I think we all kind of – I was one of the ones very vocal about putting the non-exclusive tag on him and then riding this season out, drafting your left tackle of the future – and just saying, all right, Orlando, we got a Super Bowl. You got twice guaranteed money your first two these last two years. Shake hands, part ways. Apparently, that is not what the Chiefs had in mind at all. They don't want the twenty million dollars on the cap this year, which I understand, especially if they're trying to revamp some things on, on offense. Maybe it's been reported now that they want to have the left tackle of the future situation figured out before the season starts. So that tells you at least they are going to sign him to a long-term deal or they are going to find out what they're going to do in the draft slash trading for somebody. I don't know what that's going to be. Um, Like I said, we'll get to that after we get to get through this part of the, the question. But Orlando Brown playing this season, I don't think his value got better. I don't know how you could watch the whole season and relatively say coming into negotiations, yeah. I deserve them as much money as I said I wanted last year. Maybe I want more this year. I don't think that that's where the Chiefs felt either. That's obviously what that was because he wasn't going to get that money. Um, so if it, it turns out that they want to sign, they do sign into a long-term contract, um, that at least we know that they're comfortable enough in what he does that Mahomes has now keyed in on it. He's figured it out, and they have this now connection they don't have to figure anything out anymore they can do what they've been doing and go go forward what i think happens is orlando brown will not be signed until by the time free agency rolls around and then he's going to get a feel for what his market is if p teams were interested in trading or signing orlando brown that's something the Chiefs probably would have found out at the Combine. Mm. Tons of information over this past two days has been given out. We, we've heard a ton of stuff. Lots of teams, every team is at the Combine. They have meetings with their players. They have meetings with other teams, and they gauge interest. That's what happens. That's what the Combine's for, outside of just seeing these guys run and, and prepare for the draft. It's four teams to meet with players and to gauge trade interest. So I feel like coming out of the combine, the Chiefs felt the trade market was not there for Orlando Brown. So they set, came out and said, all right, this is what you get. We're going to get one more week here to try and figure this out long-term, and then you can figure out what your trade market is on your own. 
or what your your market is on your own. And I don't think a deal gets done. I I firmly believe the Chiefs are going to be drafting a left tackle mm. in the first round, if not the second round, early some point in, in the draft. Uh, and that's my opinion personally. We will we'll, now that this all information is out. So um, my next film review is going to be about a left tackle that the Chiefs could draft at 31, possibly. If they have to move up for him, they have to move up for him. But uh, that will come out on Wednesday. But, yeah, uh, that's, that's what I think. Where it stands right now, I understand the thought of drafting a left tackle, and I think that does happen for Kansas City. But I would be nervous. You don't even see top five left tackles come in week one and make a major impact. They're just stalwarts right there at left tackle. That's one of those positions that it takes a lot of growing pains to become who you are. Same thing at edge. That's true. And that's where my concern is. And it's not like, well, then get a veteran, and then you have the rookie waiting in the wings. It's not that simple. You look at the free agents right now, Orlando Brown Jr., Taylor Lewan, who's been injured the past three seasons. Donovan Smith, who was just released by the Buccaneers, who had a brutal year last year. Eric Fisher, injured. Kelvin Beecham, 34, uh, and not anything spectacular. Jason Peters, 41, and then a guy named Dakota Dozier. Not ideal. Well, that's all true. Um, obviously, injuries aren't something you can predict. I do think that while drafting a back end of the first round player is not usually how it works out, I would never rule out trading up for a tackle sure. out of the question. With what we're seeing right now, with possibly, I think I tweeted this out over a month ago that I think four quarterbacks are going in the top 12. I think it'll be top 10 now. We're talking about the corner position just getting blown up from the combine. There's a lot more players being pushed up draft boards. I don't necessarily think the tackles are. So there's a possibility you see one of the guys that are high on their board slide. But I also do think that adding, giving, you know, a Donovan Smith or a Taylor Lewan a one-year contract to, to try and not only get them paid, because that's what they're trying to do too. They're not trying to sign a long-term deal right now coming off of injury. They want to play for a year and see if they can get one more contract, you know, before it might be searched around for other teams. And that would also give the Chiefs some wiggle room or if they find out in training camp that, okay, this guy is as good as we thought he was going to be, then you have time and you don't have to rush them into or, or you can place them in those positions. So um, I, from scouting the top prospects at tackle, this is a, a very good top tackle class. I think that there are also quite a few of developmental, like, day two guys that will have some starting upside in, in years two and three. It's better than it has been in the last few years where those guys just aren't there. So I don't rule out trading up at all. I also I, I do believe if Orlando Brown's not in Kansas City next year that one of these left tackles that are on the free agent market will sign a one-year deal in Kansas City. Yeah, Chicago feels like a decent, uh, decent look for Orlando Brown Jr., a team with a plethora of money as well as the connection with Ryan Poles, the Chiefs connection with him yeah. being the GM. I uh, want to go through a couple numbers because I know Donovan Smith being released by the Buccaneers, uh, obviously relatively high pedigree, right? Like the name, you hear Donovan Smith, you think, all right, that's a good left tackle. Well, when you look at what happened this past season, uh, he really took a downturn 
Part of that was the rest of the offensive line for Tampa was an absolute dumpster fire. So if you're biting into that, then maybe you can bounce back. That's what you're counting on. But in 908 snaps played, he had 12 penalties, which is the fourth most in the NFL. He had fifth or six sacks given up. And if you like PFF, that's good for a overall ranking of 58.1. Now, Orlando Brown Jr., who caught the ire of so many Chiefs fans, right? We, we, we know about Orlando Brown Jr. and how much uh, he got on some fans' nerves. Uh, he played 1,133 snaps, top 10. Only had six penalties. Four sacks given up, so half uh, on the penalty side. And his overall PFF number was 75.8. So if you think going to Donovan Smith, all of a sudden you're getting an upgrade, you're, you're not. At least based on production from last season. What are your thoughts on Donovan Smith? And Donovan Smith last year, and I throw out everything for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that happened last year. That was a tear, and I'm not saying not, to not evaluate his play. I believe he was playing through what injuries early in the season too. So there's a lot that happened to him. But even what he was able to play through, I don't necessarily think that he's going to be an upgrade. I believe he's what in his 30s now too. Yes, I, don't, I didn't remember if he said it or not. So he, he is going to be also, 30 at the start of the season. Yeah, so you're, you're kind of hoping also that he comes, if you're going to sign him to a one-year contract, that he's, again, at that point in his career where he's trying to earn that next contract. After an injury, not in Tampa Bay anymore, looking to, to prove to people. And that's what the Chiefs like to do a little bit. We, we've kind of seen some prove-it stuff lately. You know, you get a one-year contract for, for Carlos Dunlap. You get that one-year contract for Juju Smith-Schuster. I think that we're looking at a possibility here. But I also think that while you're not trying to upgrade with a free agent guy, you're trying to find a way to keep Patrick Mahomes upright for a season if you need a full season for your rookie, if you're drafting a left tackle. Uh, it's And I do believe, based off of you know, his pedigree, the player that he has been in his career – that you can get that out of Don, out of a Donovan Smith player, assume, assuming health. Though a lot of injury last year, a lot of you know holdings. I do believe was a lot because of his injury. He got beat quite a bit, but typically he's not a guy who gets beat quickly. And I think that happened more last year because of his injury. Maybe I'm wrong about that, uh, but that'll be something that if. You know, they end up signing him. We'll get to in the film, so we can actually see some of that. But based off of the player that I know him to be, and that I have seen before this past season, I think you can get by for a year, and that's kind of what the Chiefs have been doing, right? They've been trying to get by and work around the tackle that they have, and I think they can do that for one more year. Daniel Harms, film analyst to RGR Football, joining us right here at home stretch, ESPN Kansas City, transitioning to defense. Frank Clark, uh, we saw the goodbye post on the Kansas City Chiefs Twitter account. So that is now official. Frank Clark sounding like he will not be back here in a Chiefs uniform. One, I guess, does this mean his market was such that he, he thinks he can get a decent-sized payday? Or two, was it his time for the Chiefs to go younger? Uh, they're going to draft another edge, and maybe Frank Clark thinks he still has enough to start in the NFL. Oh, I think this was just a, a simple numbers equation. They just He wanted more based off of his playoff production than the Chiefs wanted to pay him. And when you are trying to not only get younger 
all around. The Chiefs have a pretty young defense. Uh, but I think that they were trying to say to Frank, we're not going to have you be a starter anymore. Mm-hmm. You're going to be a rotational guy. That's just how they want to operate, I think. And Frank probably didn't want that, especially after winning two Super Bowls in Kansas City. And while his regular seasons haven't always been very good, in the postseason, something else happens. And he's he's chasing down you know, the all-time record for sacks in, in the postseason in a career. So there's, there's always that. He probably is trying to use his leverage, and the Chiefs are like, well, if you want to hold this section of what you've done at hostage and say, pay me what my playoff percentage is worth, they're like, well, we'll try and make you a rotational pass rusher. Yeah. And probably not what he ended up wanting. So I don't think that there's a 100% certainty he's not in Kansas City next year because we have seen, we'll see how the market treats him if he's one of these guys that stays a free agent up until, you know, June. I would rule him coming back far more likely. Uh, but if he's picked up in the first two, three weeks of free agency, I mean, that tells you that his market was pretty good and the Chiefs just weren't willing to pay him what he wanted. But at the end of the day, getting younger and, and letting him go find the money he's trying to get is not an unideal way to go about this. They're going to be drafting and again, more defensive ends trying to get younger at defensive end, more rotational guys and find that, that starter, that guy that they think can really take their pass rush to a next level. Yeah. I, I thought Frank Clark personally was going to start transitioning more into the Carlos Dunlap, Melvin Ingram role, but it sounds yeah. like he still thinks that he has uh, one more decent-sized contract. Not Von Miller, but, but but you know what I'm talking about. One more last hurrah getting his last contract yeah, in, sure. even though he's made over $81 million in his NFL career. Uh, looking at spot track right now, his market value, according to them, is $12.4 mil per season over two years, and, and that's a little too steep for me. It's too steep for Kansas City out of yeah imagine if you do expect him to be the um that veteran role who's not a starter but who does play some sort of impact snaps what did Carlos Dunlap sign for last year what did Melvin Ingram come over for you you can get that uh way way cheaper plus you also take into account I think Mike Dana has improved enough to say do you trust him getting more snaps Frank Clark 69 percent snap count last year Mike Dana needs more snaps based on his production last year. Now, I don't know if they trust him so much starting every single down or if they like his versatility, mm-hmm. a.k.a. in the NASCAR package, but I wouldn't be shocked yeah. to see more Mike Dana starting at edge alongside George Karloftis. I wouldn't either. I think he, he's shown that he, he, I think he grew a lot from last year to this year with Joe Cullen in the room. I've, I've said it a lot. Chris Jones singled out Joe Cullen as one of the reasons, you know, that he had the season he had. I don't think it's any uh, any coincidence that that's that that's exactly what happened. And Mike Dana being a guy who isn't going to blow you away in pass rush sack numbers, except unless he's playing the Chargers, he's finds a way to continue to sack uh, Justin Herbert at a, an alarming rate for them. So I just play him a ton when they're playing the Chargers and then rotate him in and out. But I, I like what he offers as a versatility guy and, and a rotational pass rush. That's what he is for a fifth-round pick. You take that every time. Take the bank every single time. Like another fourth uh, – third – excuse me, day three guy 
that Brett Veach has gotten gone to get. He traded up in the fifth round for this yeah. guy, uh, or maybe they just traded him early, just picked him earlier than anybody expected. Well, he, he was, was supposed to be a seventh rounder or undrafted, and they, he was drafted yeah. in the fifth round. When it happened, I'm sitting here going, why? You could have got him later. You probably could have got him in the seventh. And apparently, uh, like always, no, I don't want to say always, but typically, <laughs> Brett Veach knows more than I do, right? No, I'll say always. I think I can say always with pretty much confidence. Always. That was pretty, yeah, I, I will say, I didn't have Mike Dana in the fifth on my board when it happened, but as a Michigan fan, I like the pick. Uh, Daniel Harms, film analyst for RGR Football. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at inharmsway19. Uh, he's great at bowling. He kicked my ass, but that's about only the only compliment I'm going to give you, Daniel. Uh, that and the <laughs> fact that you do uh, great work on Twitter, including great breakdowns. If you want to see something, uh, go there. In Harm's Way 19, uh, it breaks down a lot of the guys at the Combine, what they're good at, what they could work on, and how they could fit the Kansas City Chiefs. Daniel, always a pleasure. Always, man. I'll give you an opportunity to kick my ass when we go golfing, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I will hold you to that. Take a quick break. Come back. Home stretch here. ESPN, Kansas City. Welcome back to the home stretch, ESPN Kansas City. Thank you to Daniel Harms, film analyst, RGR football and fantasy football astronaut, joining us on here. And again, thank you uh, to Kyle behind the glass. Appreciate you, man. Oh, wow. You're just not going to talk, huh? Just not going to talk. I'm just, watching the clock, seeing how just, much time we got left. Wow. <laughs> I give you a compliment, and you just know. You guys couldn't see it. He was actually flipping me off. No, I that gave was a, a compliment. He, uh, that was a salute. That was sure was a one finger salute, man. <laughs> no. Sure was a one finger. Uh, we're on salute. Facebook Live. We'll run it back. We'll go to the replay room. <laughs> Check the tape. Check the tape. If you want to listen to more, uh, I will be doing a podcast tonight from five to six with Matt Connor, Arrowhead addict. We will be also sitting down with Chiefs legend. Christian Okoye. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. I'm excited to talk to Christian Okoye. Tecmo Bowl's own. I need to make sure I let him know I have a cigar, like a humidor, that somehow it's like a Christian Okoye humidor. Are you going to be sitting down with him in person? No, it'll be Zoom. Okay, well, show him that, man. I know. First off, I'm, I'm shocked that... I have a Christian Okoye humidor, but second, who makes a Christian Okoye humidor? Who was like, this is the guy? Does he smoke a lot of cigars? I don't know. That was pretty cool. I, I'm, I'm, it works. Keeps my cigars nice. Yeah. And they have a, they have a, I was trying to think of a, of a good joke. I, I couldn't think of one. I, I was going to say they, they bulled over people. There's never really cigar and uh, football yeah. running back combo. Nah. If you think of one, Send it my way so I, I can make a very cheesy joke. <laughs> I need that. This is the home stretch ESPN Kansas City back live in studio tomorrow at 3 to 4 p.m. Until then, we are out.